Seeking mental health care can be overwhelming and even scary, but it doesn't have to be. I'm Dr. Josephine McNary, and I'm committed to making this process easier for you. Each week, my expert guest and I unravel a different form of therapeutic intervention in order to bring comfort and understanding and to help you get back to your true self. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Mind Stories. Today, I have the pleasure to speak with Justine Fonti. Justine is a proud Filipina consultant and speaker on intersectional health topics on topics such as pornography literacy, consent, gender, and beauty standards. She received her master's in education and teaching from the University of Hawaii and her master's in public health and sexuality from Columbia University. On Instagram, she's known as your friendly ghostwriter, composing those texts you avoid sending about setting boundaries. Today, we talk about her process as a ghostwriter, how she helps individuals craft language to effectively and compassionately set boundaries for themselves. Welcome, Justine. So you are known on Instagram as the friendly ghostwriter. That's me. Yeah. So I know what it is, but can you enlighten our listeners as to who you are and and what that it means, what you do? I ghostwrite text messages that many people avoid sending so that they can lean on my language to copy paste and send it to the person that they are afraid of offending or they're afraid of hurting their feelings, but allowing them to do so in a way that asserts boundaries in a compassionate way, but still really clear about what their line is and what they are comfortable or uncomfortable doing. So I am doing it in a friendly way. And I named myself the friendly ghostwriter. I'm so curious about your background. And I also am so curious about the process. And I know we're going to get into the process a little bit later, but can you tell us a little bit about your background and what led to this moment for you? A lot of things led to this very moment. A lot of it is my dating life being responsible for this inspiration. I am a sex educator by trade, full-time as a health educator at a school, but my specialization is really in consent education, gender education, and pornography literacy. So in all of my years teaching sex education through my health programming, I have done a lot of consent work that is very much around healthy communication, healthy boundaries, how to know what your boundaries are. And in that vein, it started to be very helpful as I you know, entered the dating world, moving to New York 11 years ago, and having to exercise the very things that I teach my students, even outside of you know, sexual consent. And so it really was a lot easier for me to implement some of the things I teach because I'm always thinking about those things in a very, um, you know, I guess, teacher fashion. And what happened was after accruing many rejections that I had to do in my dating life, one of my best friends had said, I hope you're keeping these text messages that you send people when you reject them. And I said, why? What would I do with these? They're just so well-written and they're so compassionate, but they're so assertive also. And this is something a lot of people struggle with. And I said, really? People struggle with this? It's like, yeah, that's why people ghost all the time. And I said, oh, that does make sense because I'll have people that I've rejected after one or three dates and they'll be really thankful that I didn't just ghost them because I was very upfront and honest about why I don't want to continue seeing them, but in a way that didn't make them feel 
bad about themselves. And so I decided to, I guess, save these rejection text messages. And because of COVID and, you know, being quarantined, I wanted to channel some of my creative energies in other ways outside of teaching in my Zoom classroom and decided to that maybe Instagram is a good medium for me to share some of those text messages, changing the names, of course, and maybe it could be a nice service to people. Yep. And about a month in, I got 2000 followers and people started to request actual text messages for me to write on their behalf for similar dating experiences they've had. And um, that's that's how I got to where I'm at. <laughs> that's amazing. And my question I have is, and I know we'll get into this, but there's a recipe in a way in terms of there's different layers of the recipe, I'm sure. Right. Mm-hmm. But at the foundation, it's I want to be honest. I want to be truthful. I want to be compassionate, right? But I guess my question is how much detail do you need to know about the background in order to craft some sort of meaningful response for somebody? Yeah, good question. When I get direct messages or DMs from people asking, I always say like, share what you're comfortable sharing with me so that I can assure that this is a personalized, customized enough text as opposed to, I don't want to see you anymore, bye. But like, why? And like, what did you appreciate about the time that you had spent with that person, but why it might not be what you're looking for at this time or might not be enough of what you need at that time so that it's a little bit more specific. And so I don't need to know every single detail, but I overall need to know in the situation, you know, what do you want in the end? Do you want to just create a boundary and space or do you want to say goodbye forever and not have this person anymore contact you? And then if, you know, it's one or the other, then I ask, what are the things that you enjoyed and what are the things that were the problem or the the thing that is cause for you needing space or to, you know, end contact with? And sometimes they get into really, really detailed information and I usually just take the gist of it because I am creating templates for people that I end up sharing on the actual Instagram grid for other people to see and hopefully benefit from. So if it's too specific, it might not be applicable or translatable to enough people. But for the most part, people have been in similar situations that they can really relate to it and then decide this is something I should have sent or this is something I will send the next time around. Right. Well, you bring up two points that makes me think about kind of how I work with people and what therapy is in general, mm. right? So this idea of what is your end goal? Yeah. What do you want for yourself in right. this interaction with this relationship, mm-hmm. right? And I think that's maybe something that people kind of forget to kind of keep that in mind when figuring out their, the steps they're going to take during yeah. a time when they maybe feel a little uncomfortable, right? right? And so understanding the end goal, I think is simple, but people forget about that sometimes. Yeah, right. totally. And as a teacher, I'm always used to planning lessons by backwards planning. Like, what do I want the students to achieve by the end of the semester or learn by the end of this lesson? And then I backwards plan from there. Like, okay, if that's the end goal, then what do we? What are the steps that we need to take in order to get there? So in a similar vein, I do that with, what do you want? Do you want to end this or you just want space? Okay, Let's like now backwards plan from there. What are the things that they did that would not lead you to that end goal with them or are going to be caused to that end goal not ever being achieved? Right. Yeah. And the other thing I was wondering as you were talking about this is you can hold good and bad about kind of a feeling about a person within yourself, right? So like you were saying, when you're crafting these, it's like, 
okay, these are things that I liked about the experience. Mm-hmm. These are things that I like about you, but these are things that just don't fit with me, right? Exactly. And I think some people, it's hard for them to say, oh, I can hold both of those things within myself. Absolutely. I think a lot of people with dating think that if it doesn't work out, they want to default to putting blame somewhere. Like, oh, there's something wrong with this person. It's like, are you really going to think that any person you you know hang out with or spend time with is going to be someone you want to spend time with? It doesn't mean that that they're a bad person. It's just not a right match. Now, of course, sometimes I will get you know um, requests of people who are actually not good people or have done really poor things in the interaction, and you know we'll make sure that that gets addressed. But for the most part, it's really just a mismatch, a lack of chemistry, or just a misalignment, a difference in values. And those things can exist. That's why diversity is diversity. And it's just sometimes people don't want to date that, but they could be friends with that. Or they can't be friends with that, but they could work with that person. Or maybe they can't tolerate any of that at all, and they don't want any you know type of interaction. But we all kind of have a spectrum of what we can tolerate and what we can embrace. But that doesn't mean that it's an indication of a person's like self-worth or who they are as a human being. Right. Yeah. And I also wonder why people need someone to do this for them. Oh, right. Gosh, I know. I mean, I'm happy to provide that you know service, but People, I think oftentimes when I get requests, it's like, I want to do this thing, but I don't want to sound mean. Or can you help me with this? Because I don't want to offend. And we're always scared of hurting someone else's feelings, which is natural. I get it. But I think that there is a place for being able to assert yourself and the world still turns and it's possible to provide a a no and you can still be in contact with somebody. But I think so many people are scared of consent culture because they feel like it's so rooted in legal ramifications only, where it's like, look, I just don't feel like giving you a hug, but you know, I still want to hang out with you because it's COVID. I don't want to hug you. But it doesn't mean that I don't like you and I'm rejecting you as a human being. I'm just rejecting a specific behavior with you. And this is why we don't have a lot of people feeling like they can exercise their bodily agency because they feel bad or they feel guilty or they don't know how to exert themselves in a way that can be compassionate. Mm-hmm. It actually makes me think I was recently doing a podcast episode with a parenting expert mm. and two things came to mind. No is love sometimes, right? It's actually the most compassionate thing to do is to mm-hmm. say no, right? And then this other idea is I'm kind of thinking about why is it hard for certain generations, young adults or many other generations to be able to assert themselves, mm-hmm. right? I'm curious, like, I, I mean, I think it's multifactorial, but it's this idea that it's uncomfortable. You don't want to hurt people's feelings. Maybe this idea that, you know, parents couldn't model that for their children sometimes, right? And so right. that's just on my mind because of my recent discussions. And totally. Parenting. Yeah, I think there are definitely certain generations that are used to, you know, respecting your elders or women are supposed to be caregiving. So there's very much like, it might be a generation thing. It might be a gender thing. And as a result of their lack of education or comfort in that, they don't parent in that way. So then we have the young generation that's adopting the same ideas of don't assert yourself, just give in and cave and do what someone else feels more comfortable with. And we need to change that. You know, in the most egregious of situations, this is how we have child abuse being something that we don't talk about enough because it's 
not fun, but at the same time, we need to equip our young, young people with knowing that you are allowed to say no if you are uncomfortable with somebody being around your body boundary. This is why you should assert those things. We don't want our children or even adults to be vulnerable to sexual violence, and we don't want them to be susceptible to these things because an older person or someone of a different gender with more power thinks that, well, they're not going to probably, you know, assert themselves. So they are automatically more vulnerable and I'm going to predate that. And that's, that's a problem. Right. Yeah. But it also, this also idea that it's a skill, it's a skill that you learn in a way you're by your blog, you're teaching people these skills, right? Exactly. Very you're kind of helping with this recipe of like, what goes into being assertive? How do you think about it? And you kind of grow that muscle over time, right? And maybe it's in a small situation that you're kind of practicing that, but the hope is that in a big situation, you'll be able to do that and do it effectively. Exactly. When the stakes are higher, we want them to be well exercised in these ideas. So You know, whether it's something like, can I have that last French fry? We need to become more comfortable asking for consent or like, oh, actually, no, I I do want that last French fry. So please don't eat it. But we're like, oh, I feel bad. Well, they seem really hungry. Like, well, maybe you seem really hungry too. You know, you deserve that if that's something that's yours. Uh, But we are always taught to be polite, be polite. But sometimes now that is, you know, at the cost of our own well-being and our own integrity. Right. Yeah. I'm so curious to hear about kind of how you craft these and your thought process behind them. And I know you have a few cases that um, present to us and we can walk through them a little bit. So I'm pretty behind on all the direct message requests right now, but I've pulled three that I have not yet addressed and uh, I'll try to talk it out as to like what my composition process is like. And you'll get to hear some, you know, real requests from some of my followers. So here's one on dating. Hi, Justine. First off, thanks for your page. Can't tell you how many times I've struggled to put my feelings into a message, trying to avoid hurting someone else's feelings. So thanks for creating a space where people can get some help putting our words together. Anyways, I'm trying to find the right words to tell my neighbor who I've been randomly hooking up with that I don't want to do it anymore. He's cute, but don't see myself marrying him slash he likes me more than I like him. Last night, my view of him changed. He didn't do anything bad, just made me know that I don't really want to do this anymore. Let me know if there's any words you think would be helpful. Thanks a lot. So that is enough information for me. I know the parties involved. We have two neighbors. They're hooking up. It sounds like a physical only situation. And my follower is intending to have a more serious romantic connection um, in this in the situation. So I feel like that's enough for me to you know use. I don't need to know the person's name. I'm going to end up changing it anyway. I'm very intentional about using actual names to further humanize the template. So let's say this person's name is Brett. So we'll use Brett. So what I would say is something about, here's what I appreciate about what we've had together, Brett. Here's what I'm actually looking for or realize that I need. And I hope that you are still well after that decision is made and that we can still be civil, grown up, mature adults when we run into each other in the hallways of our building. So like, it's a very, this is like one, two, and three, like, thank you. 
but here's what I need and I don't have and good luck to you kind of thing. So that's like overall a very simple formula for a lot of the ones that I write. Whereas most people are scared of that, that second part, that middle part. And this is a basic compliment sandwich where you say what's great about them. You say what is missing about what your needs are, not what is wrong with them, because there is nothing wrong with them for the most part. It's just that you want something different. And then you end with a, and hope we can, you know, still be civil and grown up about this decision to part ways in this specific way. Well, the thing about this one though, right? It's your neighbor. There's this anxiety probably about we're going to run into each other. I'm going to feel uncomfortable. And how do I acknowledge that discomfort? And I love how you talked and said about, I hope when we see each other, we'll be able to be civil. Like it actually kind of puts that out in the open instead of being like, oh no, what's going to happen when I see the person? I love how you said it because it it brings up your like, when we see each other, this is what I hope for. Yeah. And I think it's very transparent. It's very honest. It's vulnerable. It's saying like, look, you now know that I'm looking for a long-term relationship that'll lead to marriage. And I also know that we have to still live in the same building. And I am comfortable enough seeing you in the hallway or in the elevator and knowing that, you know, you're going to have a life separate than mine. And you might be bringing someone, you know, back that used to be me and it's not me. And the world's still going to turn. And that's just how it is. And it's okay. So, you know, something like, hey, Brett, as much as I've enjoyed you know, hooking up with you, I I need to pull away. I'm looking for a long-term relationship with the intention to marry someone. And while I do like our physical relationship, I don't see a romantic one forming. You've been very kind to me. Um, Our time has been, you know, very enjoyable. I'll see you around the building and take care of yourself. Very complimentary. Yeah. I mean, it didn't (laughs) seem like Brett did anything wrong where you needed to say you messed up and this is why you're not kind or whatever. It was just more like, we want different things. And that is totally okay. Everyone wants, you know, what they want and we have to respect that. And if it doesn't align, it doesn't align, but it doesn't mean that they're a bad person. I feel like you could just whip these out so quickly. I mean, I try to, I mean, a lot of them are now are are fairly similar. So I can actually tell people, oh, actually, let me just send you ones that sound like what you're already looking for because they're templates. Right. And so usually they'll just, or I'll send them like four different templates because they're going to use a different sentence from each to form their own. Right. So I try to, yeah, give them that. You ready right, for another I, one? I'm curious. Yeah. About number yeah. two. So I've been getting a lot of friend ones. I was only doing exclusively dating related templates. And then I started getting some requests from people about like, do you do these for family members who body shame me all the time? Do you do these for friends that I no longer want to be friends with? Do you do anything for coworkers that I have to still see every day or work with, but you know, have wronged me in some way? And so I said, you know what? This, yeah, I should expand this. So it went from good buys when it came to dating to now good boundaries and I'll mix it up. So sometimes I'll be posting a good boundary, which is, I just need space from you, or I need you to understand that what you do is hurtful so that the next time I see you, you won't do that anymore kind of thing. So now it's expanded to any kind of boundary setting, you know, types of templates you need. I'm your ghostwriter for it. So here's one of them that I got about a friend. Hi there. One of my best friends keeps making plans and then breaking them consistently. It could be as much as a weekend we plan to hang out or as little as an evening we plan for a phone call. 
not only do I feel like now I have to be penciled in on her schedule, but it's starting to make me feel as though I'm not a priority. I know she's busy. That's always her excuse, but I'm really busy and tired too. And yet I still put forth the effort and make bids for connection. I guess I'm just disappointed that she doesn't value me and my time the same way I do hers. She's one of my closest friends and I don't want to ruin our friendship, but it's really starting to irritate me. Any ideas for a response the next time she cancels? So this one's actually easy because it already sounds like this follower has a lot of the language necessary and what I would use. So I try to mimic their language or use exactly verbatim what they've already provided with me. So the line about, I'm just disappointed that she doesn't value me and my time the same way I do hers. I'm going to use that. So I would say, you know, let's say the friend is Erica. Erica, I'm just disappointed that you don't seem to value me in the same way that I value your time. Boom, right? So I'm I'm ghostwriting, but I'm trying to use how this person might phrase it. So it seems more like natural and, you know, it's not like, okay, this was really definitely written by somebody else kind of situation. So for this one, I think the complimentary part can be like, I valued our friendship since you know high school, whatever it is. It seems like you know our lives are going in different directions where we're not able to spend the same amount of quality time together as we used to, which is understandable given the pandemic we're in or where we live now, or you know, the fact that you have children, whatever it is. And I'd rather that, you know, we stay in contact when we can actually commit to plans that we've made to each other so that we can have managed expectations. And so I think it sounds like they want to stay friends, but they just want to mention that this thing is happening. So this doesn't sound like a good buy. This sounds like a good boundary. Like, look, I think it's probably best for us to curtail the amount of time that we expect to hang out with each other, but know that when you do reach out and want to connect, know that I'm really planning on meeting up with you. And I always Sharpie you in as opposed to pencil you in. And I hope that is something that you would afford me. It makes me think about when you're talking about values though, this idea how someone values a relationship. Erica may value the relationship in the same way, but it's just executed differently. It's an execution. And it's like, well, I value not changing plans, right? right? So the friend is saying that, but Erica is maybe like, well, I value holding onto a relationship and knowing that I'm trying, but then I have to cancel, but at yeah. least you know I'm trying. That's a good point. It's mentioned like, I think both of us want to be in each other's lives. That's our value. We value our overall friendship. I also value my time in a way that requires the people in my life to commit to schedules that involve my time. If that's not something you can do, I get it. But then let's just email each other. Let's just text each other without higher stakes of me setting aside time to see you in person when you might bail. So I think, yeah, like naming the value that you share, naming the values that are different and maybe proposing a different plan forward. Yeah, is I think uh, one way to go with that. So if I was Erica's friend, right? Would you ever say something in, would you, I guess the question is, would there be benefit or would it be harmful to say something like, I get annoyed by this? I think it's okay. I mean, you know, using I statements, right? I feel annoyed when you bail on our plans. It doesn't mean that I'm saying you're annoying, even though maybe that's what you want to say, but it's like, it's something that I feel when this specific thing happens, you're not an annoying person. It's just that you conjure an emotion in me when a certain behavior you do occurs. 
And I think kind of separating that is really key because if you say like, you're really annoying, you're always flaking on me, like that's not going to go anywhere. And I think that's what people are thinking that is the only way they can communicate with somebody when they are trying to assert a boundary. And I think that language and words have a lot of power and the way you use it and the way you ordered it can really make or break situations. So I think it is okay to say that you are annoyed in situations so long as you're using those I statements. Right. I just think of Erica and this friend, right? <laughs> that could have named the friend, but the writer, the Yeah, the, the writer. Esther. I almost could imagine that these discussions allow for deeper kind of deepening of communication between people. Totally, totally, totally. I think a lot of these have become its own like metric of whether or not you have a strong relationship with this person, because if they are feeling very defensive or fragile when they receive something that's very compassionate, I feel like it means that they're not even willing to receive feedback of any kind. And that's their own thing that hopefully they work through or their own insecurities that they might have. But if somebody is genuinely compassionate and have, you know, and fairly asserted themselves, we have to give the benefit of the doubt that the other person is going to receive it just as compassionately too. And if they don't, I mean, that's a whole extra thing. That's why a therapist exists where I think it means that they have to look in a little deeper as to like, okay, why did this actually hurt you? Because they kept using I statements. They're not accusing you of being a bad person. They're just saying that some things you do are annoying to them. How could we meet them halfway or try to empathize with where they're coming from? Right. And the hope is that the response from Erica might allow the requester to kind of have more understanding of why this is happening. And right. The ultimate goal may not be for them to never break plans, but for them, like you said, to meet in the middle and say, look, this is why this happens with my friend. I understand the process. I'm going to be a little bit more patient with. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's a little bit tangential, but this is what I really love about the platinum rule versus the golden rule, because it's very much embedded in consent culture, which allows for healthier, deeper communication to get to know people better. Instead of assuming that anything that somebody else wants is what you want or what you want is what anybody else wants. It's really asking, what do you want? What feels right for you? How can I be a good friend to you? And that's the treat others the way they want to be treated. And so in this way, like, you know, our writer is telling Erica, look, It doesn't seem like you know how I want or need to be treated. So let me instruct you now. Here's where we align. Here's where we don't. And I'm proposing this going forward. Does that work with you? And that's really consent culture. Like, this is where I'm uncomfortable. Where are you uncomfortable? Let's come up with a solution together. And that collaborative model is what our real goal should be in a relationship that you're in relation with somebody else. So make it a dialogue. Right. And I love that the consent culture, it's not just romantic relationships. It's right. not sexual relationships. It's exactly. any relationship. Anything. Mm-hmm. Right. What's number three? Number three is uh, the first time I got a request about uh, asserting a boundary with a realtor that they have. So here we go. Hi, I was wondering if you'd be able to help me type up something to say to our realtor. She's just not responsive. And I always feel like I'm pestering her when I ask for an update. She'll take a long time to respond. She says she'll call me with an update and then never calls. She's also a friend. I used to work with her and she moved on to real estate. I just feel like my husband and I are missing out on some really good housing opportunities because she's just not paying attention. It kind of feels like since we're friends, she's okay putting me on the back burner. And I just need to tell her that we need a new realtor. Help, please. 
That's complex. That's a hard one, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I had another person ask me about how to break up with their therapist who also is a family friend of theirs. And the reason they're still their therapist is because they charge so little. And so that was super layered. I'm like, all right, I get you. I get you need a lower rate for a therapist, but there's a lot of conflict of interest here. Oh, so kind of in that same vein. All right. So with this one, I think it is important to acknowledge the friendship first. That's where like the compliment sandwich part comes in here. You know, so let's say this person is Anya. So Anya, I have appreciated your willingness to help my husband and I look for a house this year. I know that our deadline is one that is coming up soon. And given the number of recommendations or listings you've sent, it doesn't seem like we'll meet that deadline on your timeline. I'm thinking it probably is best for us to go with a different realtor that is more available to us and that we can be in more communication with. It sounds like your schedule isn't conducive to ours right now. Thank you for the effort you've already put in and I'll keep you posted on when we've closed. I'm kind of like, that's so harsh in a way. I'm I'm worried Mm -hmm. about Anya and how she's going to take it. Right, right. So this was me just riffing. I think this is my very first draft. I would look at this and think, all right, so we've acknowledged the friendship. It sounds like right now Anya's schedule is just not conducive. It's not that Anya is someone that isn't prioritizing a friend. It's that her current schedule isn't conducive to assisting a client accordingly. And so I think that's why I came up with what I came up with is that like, it's not you, it's the schedule you are given right now. Right. And, you know, if our schedule is aligned at a different time, this would be great, but we have a certain goal in mind, which is to lock in a house by end of, you know, the summer. And it doesn't seem like that's going to be met under the schedules that we're both in. Right. I also wonder if Anya would receive this and feel very relieved. Maybe that's true too. Right. And to speak to like some of my own experiences of when I've uh, sent rejection texts, I think for some people they're like, Oh, I feel similarly, but I didn't know how to tell that to you. Thanks for, you know, being the bigger person and, you know, breaking that ice. I've gotten those right. Or others just, you know, will just say, thank you so much for being honest. I feel differently, but of course, wouldn't want to cross any of your boundaries. And it wouldn't be fun to go out with someone who doesn't want to go out with me. Yeah. Right. So hopefully Anya would feel the same way. We're like, okay, well, I want someone to be happy with, you know, with me. And if they're not, then I can't force them to like me. Right. Right. Yeah. I think I'm like in general, just a non-confrontational person. And so when I hear that, I'm like, okay, okay. That seems harsh, but it is reality. And it's true, I guess. And I think different styles, but I think if I think about like what I would do in that situation, I would tend to, I don't know. And maybe as a psychiatrist, I would have to name the feeling more too, right. Of like, we're friends. And I've had, I've, I've thought so much about what to say to you about this, but I find it really hard to have to be friends, but also rely on you for this other thing. And I'm, I'm just afraid it'll 
kind of affect our relationship. And I think it's best to, you know, not work together in this professional way, but I still want to be friends. Right. I think you can still say that. And you're right. I did leave that part out. You know, I think it could be something like happy to, you know, continue referring friends over to you, but, uh, you know, given our timeline again, like I can't almost like using the timeline and schedules as the crutch here and not Anya as a problem. I mean, it could be Anya as the problem, but it also could not be. I mean, maybe she, you know, just right now has an unusual schedule or circumstance that is not allowing her, you know, to really prioritize this right now, but she should be transparent as a realtor and as a professional, and especially as a friend, be even more transparent as to what's going on. So I think there are ways to still be kind by saying like, I'm happy to continue referring my friends over to you, but, um, you know, Clark and I really need to lock down a house before the end of the summer, before the new school year starts. So the kids have a place to settle into. And that has to be something that is, you know, understandable and like reasonable. Anya and Clark. I love love this couple. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) These examples are so great. I, I love it. And it's interesting because I think it is kind of this scaffolding of how mm-hmm. you want to help people kind of assert themselves. What is a compliment sandwich? It is overall giving a compliment first, stating what the tension or concern or problem is, and then ending with another compliment. Sometimes you can do an open face compliment sandwich where you only have one compliment and you end with the problem or you start with a problem and end with the compliment. I think it just depends on what the situation is. I usually use open face compliment sandwiches when they've done more harm than the person has done more harm than good. Or I don't even use any of the compliments at all. And I said, hey, here's where you didn't read my cues last night. And this is why last night will be the last date or last time I see you. And there's no compliment there. It's just very forthright about here's what the problem was. And that's it. I like visualize sandwiches, like an open face sandwich is just messy. Like it's just going to be messy. There's not, (laughs) it's not neatly wrapped up. Right. And you're okay with that. I'm okay with it. I can be okay with it. Yeah. (laughs) Well, this was so helpful. It was so great to kind of hear how you do this. I am so curious. What is next for you? What, what is your plan with all of this? I would love to turn this into a coffee table book. And, you know, I already have categories set, not just like with different boundaries, but the types of reasons you might end dating somebody, whether it be they crossed the line, maybe they lied on their dating profile and you found out the truth in person. Maybe it's that, you know, you just didn't have a vibe or chemistry, or maybe you only want something physical with them and have it just be casual. Maybe uh, something around coronavirus has occurred and, you know, there's something going on with like, you're not vaxxed and I thought you were kind of thing. So I have all these different categories for, you know, why you want to say goodbye to someone you're dating. And I think each one of those could be its own chapter since there's now several under each of those as they are color-coded and categorized on the Instagram page too. So I would love to make this a book, easy reading. You just flip right to the chapter that falls under, you know, the category you're looking for. Okay. I need to say something to my boss or need to say something to my pair, uh, you know, my, my, my mother-in-law, or I need to say something to my partner who just isn't understanding what I'm saying. And you find hopefully what you're looking for. I also find that if you're not using it necessarily to actually send to somebody that you just read it and you feel healed knowing that there are ways and there's a language and already a a trail that's been blazed for you to actually use these words. Because some of my followers have just said, just reading it makes me feel empowered because now I feel like I have this toolkit to lean on in the event something happens. And that in and of itself gives me a sense of, you know, control and quells my anxiety that 
I'm ready to tackle anything. And so that's been really affirming for me too. So right now, a book. This Instagram is your coaching. You, you coach people in a way. Yeah, in a way. I remind them that I am not a therapist. So I'm just helping them write. I am just their, you know, essay writer tutor, um, if you will, that does all the work for them. <laughs> but but I let them know, like, you know, this sounds really heavy. Have you gotten help for this yet? Because you can send this text message, but that doesn't solve the problem. And some people have asked me to, like, help them create a text message to end somebody's marriage. And I was like, yeah, I'm not going to help you do that. So I have my own boundaries too. It sounds like you need to get your own help first from an actual professional to work out why you feel like this is something you should do to somebody else's life. And so I have my own boundaries with it. But yeah, the next step is a book. I can't wait to see it. One quick thing. I wanted to congratulate you. I know you recently gave a commencement address. I did. Yeah, public health school. What was the topic? And I mean, that's so exciting that you were asked to give that talk. Yeah, it was such an honor. So uh, the Columbia um, School for Public Health had a graduation ceremony for just their students of color. And as a Filipina, as an alum of the school, and as someone who does a lot of work in intersectional health education, which is something that Mailman School of Public Health is doing, they wanted me to just speak about you know, how I can inspire these new, uh, this new generation of um, public health experts of color in a world that does not always um, value access to healthcare in ways that are fair or just. And so I talked about what their role is and how it's different from white experts of color. And it was, I think, an inspiring speech about my own background, my own story, but also why we are so needed in this field of public health with our own unique perspectives that often aren't heard. Um, And then I ended with five pieces of like professional advice for them as they as they graduate and enter the world of public health. (laughs) Exciting. Yeah, it was very fun. Good. Well, congratulations. Thank you. you. You you are a excellent advice giver. (laughs) <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying. I tried to do, ghostwrite my own, you know, commencement speech. And I just had to say it though, too. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much for being here. I, this was really enjoyable to kind of hear your process. And I think of this as a really great resource for people just to kind of help them figure out how to assert themselves, how to kind of make their needs met in a compassionate, appropriate way. I think it's a really great tool for people. So I'm glad it's out there. Thanks, Josephine. This has been Mind Stories. With remote appointments in California and nine offices throughout Southern California and the Bay Area, Cal Psychiatry specializes in medication management, mood and anxiety disorders, alternative therapies, women's mental health, and more to help you get back to your true self. Visit us at calpsychiatry.com. Thanks for listening to Mind Stories, and don't forget to subscribe. Subscribe.